0: The church of those called out ones that have been separated out. Peter said you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You don't belong to this world. You have gotten out of the kingdom of darkness and have been brought into the kingdom of his dear son. You are the church. And he could say, Here, oh church. Talking to church folks now. You more need to listen and then do what is said in the word. Welcome to the light of the world. And this is Jerry G. Martin. Moses spoke to God's people and say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Peter spoke to the church and say, we need to continue growing up spiritually. We're gonna share these messages with you today to help you to know that God is one and that you should keep growing spiritually. Come and go with us as we walk in the light of God's Word. For several years, we have called a congregational fast at the beginning of the year. Uh, We know the routine. If you've been here, we avoid eating meat and sweets and drink just water. We know that it is a biblical fast. But why do we have to do it? And why do we do it now? Uh, very few of us look forward to fasting. Nobody called in and said, Pastor, when are we going to do that fast? Nobody, nobody. They'll call in about everything else. When are we going to do this again? And when are we going to do that again? But nobody ever said, when are we going to do that fast? Somehow, over the years, our fasting and Even our prayers can become routine and ordinary. If we're not careful, they can become meaningless, just an activity. Our worship, our church attendance, our singing, and sometimes they're just designated interruptions to help us check the box of completing our religious activity. It's Sunday, so let's go to church. You think? Yeah, let's do that. It's Sunday. Here's a question for you. Do you find yourself sometimes working to worship? Is work to you? Is it a chore to worship? Are you challenged and struggling in your prayer life? Maybe you are attending church on automatic. You just know it's the right thing to do. Yeah, you have a belief and a faith in God and know he's real, but it seems like you've lost your spiritual exuberance. I'm not fired up like I used to be. I'm not, I don't feel the spirit like I used to feel the spirit. I, mean, I know I'm saved, but you know, it's, it's just routine. The reason we call our fast each year is to cause us to take a look at where we are spiritually and to reset our spiritual course. Fasting is turning to God, and it is to help us to reorganize our priorities. It is the process of putting God first. Let me just say this, because I'm looking at you. This is not going to be a message on fasting. Y'all can relax. Somebody say amen. I'm just throwing that in. I'm trying to get started, but I already see you. This is not a message on fasting. Some of you just, that go my shrimp just went right out the window. I'm just trying to tell you why we do that. It is a process of Putting God first and offering ourselves as the living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to him. One of the reasons that we struggle so much in our spiritual vitality is that over time we seem to minimize or even to forget who God is and who we are in relation to him. Over time we we just kind of forget, we kind of lose sight of who he is and who we are. We can be busy and active in working in the church and serving to the best of our ability only to find ourselves weary and worn and overwhelmed, even working. We can be so busy doing the work of the Lord that we forget about the Lord of the work Jesus recognized that that can happen and he addressed it in his message to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation when he was talking about one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation chapter 2 verse 2 he said this I know your deeds he's talking to the church I know your deeds I know your hard work and your perseverance I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. You don't like the wicked folks up in your church. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have the spirit of discernment. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the heights from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Jesus said, you're doing a lot of work, but you have lost your first love. And now you're just going through the motions. Jesus pointed to the underlying problem, which was moving away from their first love. And at the beginning, remember at the beginning, when you first came to Christ, you had a demonstrated love for the Lord. You loved the Lord. You prayed when you first came to Christ. Remember, you would have a, a prayer time and you were more consistent. We prayed because we loved him. We sang songs because we loved him, and we would just sing a song to the Lord. Nobody else would have to be around us, and we would just sing. Even if we couldn't sing that good, we made a joyful noise. We sang because we loved him, and we even served because we loved him. Is there anything I can do for the Lord? Is there anything? Lord, what would you have me to do? Pastor, anything need to be done. I just want to do something for the Lord. That's when we first came to him, when we first loved him. now it's like when you're asked to serve, you say, I don't feel led. That's not my calling. I'm not anointed in that area. Loving God is the central theme of the Bible. When asked about what the greatest commandment was and the Pharisees was talking to Jesus and they were trying to find out how he was going to respond and they said, what's the greatest commandment of all the commandments? And there were over 600 of them, not just 10. And Jesus said, let me sum it up to you. When he summed it up, he went back to a point in the Old Testament when Moses was talking to the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy. And he quoted the scripture out of the book of Deuteronomy in chapter six, verse number four. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now I want us to pay close attention to a couple of things in this passage as I've been looking at it. I've been paying some attention to what it's really spoken to me. But pay close attention to this first verse where he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord... Our God, the Lord, is one. Even today, this statement is repeated every morning and every evening by devout Jews. They call it the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one. Every day, the Lord, our God, is one. So we need to take a closer look at it. Deuteronomy is a book that we don't talk much about. It's one of the five books of the law, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It is a book for people that had been brought out of Egypt because God wanted a people that would be different or he would call it holy. God says, I'm one of people, and if you look at the history of this group of people, it came from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who went to Egypt because of the famine when Joseph was there with 70 people, and 400 years later, maybe estimates of 2 million people coming out of Egypt. God called Abraham and just appointed him, called him at random. You never hear anything about Abraham in the Bible until God calls him. In Genesis chapter 12, he says, Abraham, leave your folks and come go to a place I'm going to show you. Abraham, his folks were pagan worshipers. They weren't godly. Abraham just heard this voice on the inside of him and said, okay, I'll go. He didn't know. But God said Abraham heard him and obeyed him and he accounted that as faith. Abraham and why are you choosing me well it ain't about you it's about what I'm getting ready to do I want some people I want to call my own so I'm gonna start with somebody and I'm gonna start with you so here they are in the book of Deuteronomy they had come out of Egypt And they had spent 40 years in the wilderness, and now they were standing on the east side of the Jordan and getting ready to cross over. Moses knew he wasn't going in, but he says, Let me give you this last bit of information. God wanted a people that would be holy and different. Different from the Canaanites on the other side of the river where you're going, they're worshiping all kinds of gods, they're offering up their babies on sacrifices. They're having all kinds of sexual immorality. And he says, no, that's not us. And you're going to be different from the Egyptians where you just came from. I want you to listen. The Israelites were a different breed of people. Before Moses tells them to love God with all of their heart, he calls their attention to who they are. And he says, the first thing I want you to do, I want you to hear me. I want you to listen to me. And I believe that's what God is going to tell us today. Open up your ears and begin to listen. Now, this listening was more than just, I want you to hear what I'm saying. No, listen and hear means to, in this text, means to obey. It is hearing with the intent of doing what is said. I'm hearing you and I'm going to do what you say. To hear God without putting into effect the commands that He gives us is not to hear Him at all. If you're not going to do what He said, you didn't hear Him. He says, Hear, O Israel. He called them out specifically. Israel, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to anybody else. What I'm about to say is unique to you. Nobody else is going to get this because nobody else has had this experience. I don't know if you know it or not, but when you come to God, you have a unique experience. The world, there's a difference between God's people and the people in the world who do not know God. And if you're not careful, we won't even know that we're supposed to be different. If you're not careful, you won't even know. So when we say let the church say amen there's a difference between people who are in church and the church the church are those called out ones that have been separated out that's what that means you the ecclesia the ones who have been called out and peter said you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light you don't belong to this world no more you have gotten out of the kingdom of darkness and have been brought into the kingdom of his dear son you are the church. And he could say, "Here, O church. Talking to church folks now. You more need to listen and then do what is said in the word. God have a difference between those that are his and those that are not. Moses says to the Israelites, hear, O Israel. He says, we're not part of the culture that surrounds us. See, there are times when we are in the middle of living our lives that we need to be reminded of who we are. We're not part of this culture. Sometimes you can't tell it. But we're not part of this culture. That's not what God called us to be. We're not part of the popular thought and the popular opinion. So when I hear the people who say, I'm God's people talking like the world and thinking like the world, I'm wondering, are you really Israel? Are you really the church? Are you just somebody in the church? See, there's a difference between being something and in something. You know, a few years ago, I went on a mission trip down to Angola Prison. We stayed in the prison for two nights. And I told somebody I was in Angola. And he said, you were in prison. No, I said I was at the prison. But I wasn't in prison. There's a difference. There's some folks are at church, but they ain't in church. And they're at church every Sunday, but they ain't in church because the church is not in them. There's a difference. Don't fool yourself. Just think you're, cause you're at church that you're in church. And he says, no, there's a difference between the people of God and the people who are not the people of God. We are not representative of the world system. You can't let what you see on TV frame your thinking. You can't let all the talk shows frame what your thinking is. You can't let all these reality shows just frame who you are and shape your mind and your culture and your thought and your morals. You can't do that if you're part of God. There's the Bible that tells you how you're supposed to live. There's the Word of God that tells you who you are and how you're supposed to function. Don't let all these other folks. They'll have you talking like them, walking like them, acting like them, and receiving what they get. Moses said to them, God brought you out of Egypt. Now, you know, when they were in Egypt, Egypt had a lot of different gods. When you're in a place and you part of that culture where there's a lot of different gods, they had a lot of different opportunities and they were worshiping some of the gods even though they were Israel. They were trying to do what the Egyptians were doing. That's why you see as soon as Moses went up to the mountain and left them, they built a golden calf. That wasn't just something they thought of. They had one of those in Egypt. How come we can't have no golden calf? And when he came back down, they were partying. Yeah, yeah. now this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> How come we can't have no killed and care? That's what church folks want to know today. How come I can't have a good time like I was just because I come to the church? You old school. How come I can't just do what I like to do and still be in church and, Jam like I like to jam, roll like I like to roll, and still sing in the worship team. Come, I can't do that. What's wrong with y'all over there? I know where I'm going to go. Y'all wished I was talking about faster not, don't you? <laughs> this is what Moses is saying. He had him standing on the cliff in the, in the plains there, getting ready to go over. He says, Here, O Israel, you need to know who you are. Because where you going, you're going to need everything God's got. There's some things that are coming over and that you're going to have to face when you get in the promised land that you're going to need God on your side day by day by day. So before we go in, you better figure out who you are. Who are these people of Israel? The book of Deuteronomy gives us a, an idea of how God thought about them again in chapter 7 verse 5. He's saying to them, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. God has chosen you. Just think about that. Out of all the people in the world, he said these people God has chosen to be his treasured possession. You're mine. You say, I want to do something with you. I want to show everybody else all over the world what I can do with mine. I want to show you what I can do with mine. Look at this, verse 7. The Lord did not set his affections on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all people. But it was because God loved you And kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery and from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know this, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. He says, I want to do something with you. God made a blessing promise to Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your people. You're going to be numerous and you're going to be blessed. My blessings will always be on you. Israel still exists today. And Israel is a blessed nation. They're not too numerous, but they're powerful. They're one of the most powerful nations on the planet. Because God says, I'm still your God. Isaiah 43 says this about Israel. But now, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And he says, I want you to remember, what did he says Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. That doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but where they were coming from, remember in Egypt, Egypt had a lot of gods. God said, I'm one. The Canaanites in the land of Canaan, where they were going, they had a lot of gods. They had a God for some of everything. They had a God for peace, a God for war, a God for rain, a God for this and that and whatever, a God for fertility and a God for this and that. And the people didn't know which one to worship. One people over there praying to the God of rain, the other one praying to the God that it wouldn't rain. God says, I am one. Moses asked God, said, who shall I tell Pharaoh that's sending me to to get these people? God said, tell him I am. And he said, I can't tell you anything specifically. I'm just telling you I am. I am the God that can do all of that. I can do all that needs to be done. I can make it rain. I can make it dry up. I can heal the sick. I can do any of that. I am God. I am one. Everything is in me. Everything you need is in this one God. That's me. I am the creator of the universe. I'm the one that brought the the mountains up and the oceans. I I carved them out by my hand. I am God. You don't need nobody else. This is Jerry G. Martin, and we brought you this message today to help you to first recognize the Lord, your God, is one. You don't need any other higher power because God is one and he contains everything you need. If you would like to hear this message again, in its entirety, you can do so by going to our podcast, The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. There you can listen to today's message or previous messages that aired on this broadcast. You can also subscribe to the podcast. You can also subscribe to the podcast and get a notice that a new podcast is available for your listening enjoyment. I don't have to remind you that we're living in turbulent times. The Spirit of God is reaching out for those of you who don't know Him. If you are ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, you can do so now. If you need us to help you with that or pray with you that God will come into your life, Call us right now at our prayer line number of 281-964-1393. Again, that's 281-964-1393. I invite you to join us either in person or online each Sunday at lowcf.org or at our location of 16161 Old Humble Road. Be sure to visit our bookstore. We have it right here on our campus. Call us for church supplies, communion supplies, books or Bibles that you might need at 281-441-2885. Again, that number is 281-441-2885. Now for the Light of the World, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you and we'll be with you again next time.